0: We run it on qi a few years ago yeah um which was there's no such thing as a fish mean there's no such thing as a fish no seriously it's in the oxford dictionary of underwater life it says it right there first paragraph no such thing as a fish <laughs>
1: Welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Shriver. I'm sitting here with three other elves. We've got James Harkin, Anna Chesinski, and on fact-checking duties, Andy Murray, We also have a special guest today, it's the creator of QI, it's the chief gnome himself, Mr. John Lloyd. Today's episode is a special one, it is a tie-in for the final of the 2014 Brazilian World Cup, and we are going to be talking about nothing but football. Now this is going to be quite interesting, given that none of us know anything about football, but we've done our research, and so we've once again gathered around our microphones, and these are the best football facts that we found out from the last seven days. So in no particular order, here we go. Okay, fact number one, Anna.
2: Yep, my fact is that the first known football chant was composed by Elgar.
3: The first gnome football chant that, that was in ever In honour of me, the chief gnome chant. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, let's clarify that Elgar wasn't a gnome. Um, <laughs> he's obviously one of our most famous composers. Yep. He wrote the uh, Land of Hope and Glory. Land of Hope and
0: Glory is often used as a football chant. The yes, tune, it is, isn't it? They sing, um, "We hate Nottingham Forest, we hate Everton too, we hate Man United, but Liverpool, we love you." And they always change the teams, but the first team always seems to be Nottingham Forest because it scans properly, which is a bit harsh on Nottingham Forest, <laughs> like every team hates them.
3: The other thing about Elgar, he's the only major composer to have mastered the bassoon. Did you know that? <laughs>
2: <Really>? <laughs> so when other composers were writing for the bassoon, were they just making it up?
3: No, the bassoon is a very important thing in, uh, in all sorts of ways. So Darwin used to play the bassoon to worms on his billiard table to see if they had a sense of hearing. Did you know that? <laughs>
2: Because I know that Elgar stopped playing the violin because he decided he wasn't good enough. So maybe he did that thing of thinking I'm a bit crap at all the mainstream instruments. Let's go for the weirdo that no one ever plays. <laughs> was
3: he a footballer, Elgar? Uh,
2: no, he wasn't, but he was a big fan of Wolves um, and he wrote a song called He Banged the Leather in 1898, which was actually before he became particularly famous. He'd written a few um, pieces and he wrote it because he went to stay with his friend Dora Penny whose father was a rector in Wolverhampton and he, the first question he asked her when he got off the train was so we're going to go and see a football match and after after that he they went and he cycled forty miles from his home regularly to go and
1: watch Wolves play. Oh. So how did he spread the chant initially?
2: I'm not there's not much evidence of it being some at the time. I think it was only discovered about fifty years after.
1: Oh, okay. So it wasn't died. him being an embarrassing dad in the crowd just going, Come on everyone, I'll play it
0: on the bassoon, you guys sing along.
2: <laughs>
1: That's why bassoons are now banned. That's um, like the old school Vivazella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> coming with their bassoons. <laughs> Yeah. The, the, the thing what? about chance that I really like is it must that there was a referee, a very famous referee called Graham Pole. Oh yeah, and he on a on a show sort of waxed on about how depressed he was about the fact that his surname rhymed with hole because he just knew that like <laughs> as soon as you join the football you got to look at every element of your life and yeah. just go where can this be turned into oh
0: no Pohl, Hole <laughs> that's, no that's why Paul Anker never became a referee I suppose yeah
1: exactly. <laughs> But it is, it's got an amazing history, doesn't it? So I managed to find uh, there's the Who Ate All the Pies. Oh, yeah. You know that famous chant? Uh, it supposedly, it's, uh, it gets traced back to a footballer who was a goalie called William Henry Fulk. Do you know William Henry Fulk? Yeah, Fatty Fulks. Was he a Fatty goalkeeper? Fatty Fulks. He was a goalkeeper. This is the most extraordinary player. He was six foot four when the average size was five foot five. Um, he used to bend the crossbar. <laughs> mm-hmm. He would pull down on it to make the goal smaller, to really bend is. in. And he was just a furious guy. Uh, one time he disagreed with a referee about a call that made them lose a match. And so he nakedly ran through the stadium trying to find the referee. Naked? Naked, yeah. He was naked. He hid himself in a broom cupboard, uh, this referee, because he was so (laughs) petrified and he started trying to rip the doors off.
2: (laughs) And he was fat. Yeah. Was that Uh, a tactical thing? Because I've always wondered if there should be a width restriction on goalies because if you were fat (laughs) enough you're just blocking the whole goal right
1: I don't think that's possible (laughs) I don't think although he did play cricket and apparently uh, people used to joke that there was an appeal against the light whenever he was bowling
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, a guy called um, on twitter called at Villanestato. He tweeted me about the football podcast, and he told me about this goalkeeper called Lee Roos. Oh, yeah. Uh, and his trick was quite, quite clever, really. Whenever a corner would go in, he would sit on the crossbar, so he was higher than everyone else, and then he'd launch himself from the crossbar to catch the ball. Wow. That's a pretty good
2: trick. Yeah, though, that's isn't a great it? trick. If it yeah.
1: works. Yeah. yeah. Do I don't
0: suppose do they do it anymore, so maybe it doesn't work.
1: Yeah. You know, Osama bin Laden has his own chant. Really? Uh, arsenal, yeah. It's Osama, whoa whoa Osama, whoa wo. he's hiding in Kabul, he loves the Arsenal. Uh,
3: <laughs> Is that was something he an fun? Arsenal fan? He was a
1: huge Arsenal fan, really? and when he lived in London, he actually went to a bunch of matches, bought a jersey which he brought back for his son, which was, uh, I believe, Ian Wright. His son was Ian Wright? Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, and he officially got banned by... Um, by Arsenal from ever attending one of their matches on their grounds post 9-11. That was was (laughs) Arsenal's official response to the travesties of America. (laughs) Um,
2: From 2004 to 2005, England got its first chant laureate. Johnny Hurst. <laughs> it was a, the board that decided who he was going to be was chaired by Andrew Motion, who was obviously the poet laureate oh. at the time, and he was paid ten thousand pounds for a year, which is twice as much as the poet laureate gets for his post um, to write chants. And you should look him up because they are appallingly bad. <laughs> I mean, and Arsenal actually in two thousand and eight, I think, or I don't know, in the early two thousands, Arsenal released an official chant, book, and distribute it to its players, which obviously did not catch on at all. Well, like a hymns book. Basically like a hymn, like standing (laughs) up in an assembly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At the first column, though, we will be singing hymn number 369.
2: (laughs) The referee's a wanker.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, uh, Andy, have you got anything to add on chants?
4: Yes, I have. Uh, We were on Charles Darwin earlier, and Darwin shouted at his earthworms in his last book, which was called... The catchy title, The Formation of Vegetable Mould Through the Action of Worms With Observations on Their Habits. He played the bassoon to them. It's got a brilliant end, that book. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Darwin. I have found a I found an article in The Guardian which says that Osama bin Laden was not a fan what? Uh, of Arsenal. But it's it's I think it's open to dispute. Because he was a fan of football in his younger days. So I, I reckon that one I reckon that one stacks up. Um Someone wrote after he, was, after he was killed, someone wrote on Twitter, after watching Arsenal yesterday, it was perhaps unwise for Bin Laden to rush into his yard, shouting out, come on the Gunners. <laughs> um, oh, no.
1: <laughs> okay, let's um, move on to fact number two, and that is my fact, and that is that Eric Cantona was raised in a cave.
3: There's a good football chant about him. Is there? Isn't that Yeah.
0: They did sing Who Are ah, Cantona didn't they a lot and Man United still uh, fans still sing about Cantona even though he hasn't played for them. for.
1: Yeah he even in the year that he was banned for fly kicking a man in the head still won <laughs> player's player of the year. Perhaps I accelerated
3: you, it. When you say he was raised in a cave Dan do you mean yep. a cave or a carve <laughs> a, a wine cellar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's a cave. He yeah. was French. Yeah. He was French. That's true. He's French.
1: Yeah, no, it was a it was a lookout post uh, that was used by occupying Nazis uh, during World War Two. Then got abandoned, and his paternal grandparents arrived. Uh, from Sardinia, and they occupied the cave, and they slowly renovated it over the years.
3: Funny you didn't take up cricket rather than football, all those bats in there. Got some-
1: <laughs> really got the tone of the lame
2: jokes
3: on the podcast right down to a T. I'm in there like a rat up a pipe, Anna. <laughs>
2: So just speaking of growing up in caves, I was thinking about people who've, uh, who live in bizarre homes. Um, there's a story in the news this week about a house in Wales that's gone up for sale for 425 grand, which has its own private train station where you can hail down trains isn't that cool? You can hail a train. Yeah, that, if you that's catch not it.
3: uncommon at my my mum's uh, local station in Dorset. Really? You stick your hand out, and the train stops. Do not Tiny try this uh, <laughs> when
1: a Virgin <laughs> Pendolino is going past. <laughs> yeah. um, Eric Cantona, yeah. he sits in the pantheon of those amazing football characters that you love almost as much for their social life as you do for their yeah. life on the field, on the pitch. Um, like Pele, Pele's another one that I love. What did he do? There's an amazing ad where um, he was standing in a massive pitch looking around going, you know, I've played in some of the greatest stadiums of the world. I've played amongst the greatest roaring fans that you could ever want. And then he goes into the locker rooms and he says, I've shared these locker rooms with some of the greatest players who've ever walked onto the pitch. And we spoke about everything, our lives, our families, our greatest fears. The one thing we never spoke about, though was erectile dysfunction, and then it turned into an ad and how you need to see your doctor if you're not getting it up. And, yeah, I was just like, Pele, where does this come from? And he became the ultimate advocate of um, erectile dysfunction. Uh, So go you. That's as exciting as your career to me.
0: Um, This is somewhat related. Another Brazilian footballer, Garinche, is very famous um, from the same era. Um, he lost his virginity to a goat, according to his official <laughs> biography no. um, and, and really yeah, apparently, and when he was uh, on top james that 's the thing <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the goat for the first half uh, he was his nickname was the, the wren because of the way he ran because one of his legs was shorter than the other, and um, when they won the World Cup, he got a bonus, and he hid the money underneath his child 's bed, forgot about it, and then when he remembered, uh, he found out that his child had been wetting the bed for three years and it was completely ruined oh. all the money. <laughs> oh,
5: no.
3: <laughs> Talk, talking of um, uh, nicknames, do you know who uh, Solfus uh, Nielsen was? I do not. He was nicknamed Krolben or Bandy Legs, and he was the first man to score 10 goals in a national match. Really? Yeah, because his bandy legs made him very difficult to tackle. Because there was a sort of huge oh, yeah. gap between where his legs should be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 1908 at the Olympics.
0: We were talking earlier about um, Cantona kicking football fans. Yeah. Uh, he's got nothing on this guy, um, Javier Flores. He was a Colombian midfielder and um, he'd lost a game, lost a football match, and he was driving home. And as he was driving, there was a group of fans there and they started shouting, Weak, weak, weak. Uh, and so he shot them. Whoa. <laughs> and when he got brought up in front of the judge, um, he said that as he drove past, it wasn't his fault. He was drunk.
3: But I happen to know from having been a lawyer in my early youth that drunkenness is not a defence to murder. No, you know, especially
0: that? not when you're driving, I
3: don't suppose. No.
2: Because crime of passion can sometimes be a defence in France, can't it? I think I think France is the only country where, for murder, you can plead crime of passion.
3: I read somewhere, I'm sure this is apocryphal, Andy will tell us, but it used to be a crime of passion to kill somebody for pinching your parking space in France.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah.
3: it's, kind of, it's such an offensive thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> totally be let fair. off are footballers by and large uh, underprivileged in terms of their upbringing would you say you would think it's a working class sport in this country you would think and it's yeah. funny it didn't start out that way did it because in the early days they were all um there's an amazing guy called Lord Kinnaird who was um, president of the FA for 33 years. Um, extraordinary player. He was, he played in nine FA Cup finals, five times on the winning side, um, three times for Wanderers, which was a mixed public schoolboys team, and twice for the Old Etonians. And he. Didn't just play football. He won the 350 yard race at Eton in 1864, the international canoe race at the 1867 Paris exhibition, two blues for tennis at Cambridge and he was champion of Cambridge University in both fives and swimming An extraordinary wow. it's guy. was great
0: in those days when you could be the best at everything yeah, yeah. wasn't it? You were like the best soccer player you were automatically going to be the best long jumper and the best yeah. you know, tennis player and everything. But speaking of the gentlemen sports teams, Corinthians was a team of gentlemen that was so gentlemanly that if they got tackled in the penalty area they would refuse the penalty because they thought there was no way that anyone could possibly have done it on purpose
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right, I've got the actual uh, quote for that here. Uh, Yeah, CB Fry wrote, it is a standing insult to sportsmen to have to play under a rule which assumes that the player intends to trip, hack, or push their opponents and behave like cads of the most unscrupulous kidney. (laughs) 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 Unscrupulous kidney.
5: Brilliant.
2: Cristiano Ronaldo thinks the same thing. It's just outrageous.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, Andy, have you got anything to add? Yes, I have. Uh, We were talking about Cantona earlier, way back in distant memory. Um, And... Uh, uh just a couple of extra things i found about him after he retired from the game uh he applied to register his name and the phrase U R are as commercial trademarks just speaking of um trademarking i remember that when david hasselhoff
1: got divorced um part of his divorce settlement was that he claimed Full and total use of the phrase, don't hassle the hoff, and that his wife was not allowed in any circumstance to use that publicly or otherwise. That's great.
4: We were on defenses against crimes earlier. I have not found any evidence that parking spaces are justification for murder. I have found someone who, in France, who did kill someone else over a parking space, but. I'm not sure it counts as a crime of passion. I thought it was f- yes, unlikely. I agree. <laughs> but crime of passion has been recently reinstated partially as a defence uh, in in murder cases um, in England. Yeah, um, last year uh, on Gurincha, the Brazilian oh, yeah. footballer. Um, so four times in his career he scored from a corner wow. which is it must That's be the bandy good. legs coming in handy and in one match against Fiorentina he beat four defenders and the goalkeeper and then he stopped short of the line to wait for the defenders to catch up with him and then beat them again and scored nice <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, showboat.
1: Okay, uh, let's move on to fact number three and that's yours James okay my fact
0: is that in the first World Cup final uh, in 1930 um, the two teams um, Uruguay and Argentina couldn't agree on the size of ball to use and so they used Argentina's small ball in the first half and Uruguay's big ball in the second half <laughs> <laughs> And it was such a difference that Argentina were 2-1 up at half time when they were using their small ball. And in the second half, Uruguay, with the big ball, went on to win 4-2. So it obviously made quite a big difference for the second <laughs> half. So honestly. there was a
1: no official ball that uh, was used?
0: No, they, there was no official size to the ball at that time. Uh, there is now wasn't there
3: a thing with with cricket when it started that nobody thought to define how wide a bat could be (laughs) really (laughs) you could have an enormously wide bat you know that would completely cover the (laughs) (laughs) wicket
0: that's a brilliant thing (laughs) and
3: there's an interesting thing i found out about um there are four um olympic sports that have goals in them um football hockey water polo and handball handball yes and there's an interesting thing called the the penalty factor, which is um, because obviously the goals are all different sizes and heights and the balls are also different sizes, so that uh, a football goal is twice as wide as a hockey goal, but the ball's three times larger. And the penalty factor is the number that takes all these factors into account and works out how hard it is relatively to score a goal in any of those four sports. Oh, really? And oh. surprisingly, they're all extraordinarily similar.
0: Really? Wow. All Do you right. think that's just trial and error that they ended up like
3: that? I, I don't know, yeah. I, it sort of feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. There's a really interesting little factoid, which is a football goal. You probably knew this, James, but I was say I knew nothing about football before this <laughs> weekend. But the rule of QI, as you all know better than anybody, is that everything's interesting if it's looked at long enough. And it has been absolutely fascinating, actually. All these little side lights, like, so a football goal is eight yards wide and eight feet high. It's a really neat little thing, but of course yeah. in metric, it doesn't look like anything interesting. Mm. No,
0: you're right. Um, FIFA did try and, they, or they did talk about widening the goals a few years ago because um, I think it was after the American World Cup and they were trying to get Americans interested and they thought that, well, there aren't enough goals in soccer. And so they thought about making the goals wider by 50 centimetres on each side, yeah. uh, which would have spoiled the 8x8, eight eight, but also um a lot of the goalkeepers went well people watch it because it's so difficult to score goals i mean if it becomes easy if you can kick it into a bit where no goalkeeper can get to
1: it then it just spoils the game there used to be as well the the crossbar was not there initially it was just like like, um, like rugby, just two poles in the air. And they decided eventually to add the crossbar because people just kept lobbing it way <laughs> over the height that any human could get yeah. and would <laughs> estimate whether or not it had in fact gone between the two bars. Yeah. The net was actually invented by an Everton fan who was so annoyed because not only was it a trick of the eye whether or not the ball had gone past the post on the inside or outside of the goal, but fans used to line up mm. right back by the goal line And so they would just hit it with their hand or with their leg. So when a goal (laughs) went in, it just went right back out again Um, and no one knew if it actually had made it through.
0: There was a famous thing that happened a few years ago. It must be 10 years ago now. And I'm going to say it was Bristol City, but I might be wrong. uh, And... What they had, they had the net, but they had the advertising hoardings too close to the back of the net. So someone hit a shot. It went in. Instead of making the net bulge, it hit the advertising hoardings, came back out, and they didn't give the goal because they didn't realize it had gone in.
3: Oh, really? Yeah. Is is Bristol City any good as a team? No. Yeah. I wondered why, because there was a famous line in Not The Nine O'Clock News, and Mel Smith is a newsreader reading out the headline. It says, Lord Lucan has been found. He's been playing center forward for Bristol City. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like it. Sorry to any Bristol City fans listening. Uh, I'm a Tramir Rovers fan. They always beat us, but they are not a very good team Though no. I remember I went to Bristol one time and um uh, we were driving down we were trying to get to Ashton Gate which is the which is the Bristol City ground. And we stopped and we asked a guy, um, excuse me, can you tell us where uh, Bristol City's football ground is? And he said, oh no, we don't play football around here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he was the captain of their team. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's Lord Lucan. Yeah. Any yeah.
3: other interesting rules, James?
0: Um, there used to be no loitering allowed in <laughs> football. Um, the rules hilarious. was yeah, no loitering near the opponent's goal, which basically then later became the offside rule.
1: I really like in the early days of football how things just went as people decided on the spur of the moment. So there was a match in uh, 1894 in Sunderland versus Derby County, and. Basically, the match uh, was ready to start, except that the uh, referee hadn't arrived because he'd missed his connecting train. <laughs> and so they decided, <laughs> they decided to go for it anyway. They brought a guy in who knew how to referee as well. He came into the match and they played 45 minutes and there was a 3-0 lead to Sunderland by half time. The referee arrived... Said, what'd you do? Start the match without me. No, no, no. Made it (laughs) void. Started the match again. They ended up playing a three-halved uh (laughs) match. Wow. Do we know what the final score was? Yeah. Um it was five-nil. Uh so (laughs) Sunderland still won, but really it should have been eight-nil. When the goalkeeper who had lost the match eight-nil was asked why they'd lost, he didn't blame the big defeat on the fact that the referee had messed them about by not showing up and then cancelling the points. And then so and he blamed it because he, was, he said it was a failure of his to find any rice pudding in Sunderland before the match. <laughs> <laughs> and his motto famously was no pudding, no points. <laughs> and he ate a bowl of rice pudding before every match. So yeah, that was his excuse.
0: Uh, football, of course, evolved from like a village sport where two villagers would get a pig's bladder and they would try and get it from one village to the other. There's a game in uh, 1280 at Algham uh, in Northumberland, where a player was killed as a result of running against an opposing player's dagger. <laughs> 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 it sounds rather like he's getting blamed for being yeah, stabbed. Not like... my fault, he <laughs> ran into my dagger.
2: It's <laughs> like that line in Chicago. He ran into my knife. He ran into my knife ten times. Yeah. What?
1: Also, there's, it's, it's interesting to see, again, how the game evolves and how these how all the rules come into play. Like, uh, for example, the whistle. The whistle was quite a late introduction into football and what they used to do was referees just used to wave a hanky <laughs> time <laughs> they needed to get the attention of the other players and so it used to get passed down and like oh mate uh, hankies hankys being waved um, also uh, folk apparently this guy fatty folk who I mentioned earlier um supposedly the reason of ball boys being invented for the sport was a result of him because what they used to do was behind the goal to accentuate his size six foot four everyone else roughly five foot five they used to place two little boys behind the goal just to make them look way larger and more intimidating <laughs> and then anytime the ball went past the boys just naturally went and grabbed the balls and that supposedly was how, yeah. how ball boys That's came about oh, wow.
0: so it's a very naturally evolving sport um, just going back to the first world cup with the two balls um, the winning goal was scored by a guy called Hector Castro uh, which is quite impressive first winning goal in the first uh, world cup final what's even more impressive is he only had one arm Uh, and um, when he was 13 years old, he accidentally amputated his right forearm while using an electric saw, and his teammates nicknamed him El Manco.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Andy, do you have anything to add? Yes, as well as uh, variations in the size of the ball. There were variations in early matches between the kind of football code that you would use. So there were the Sheffield rules and the Nottingham rules, and some, some matches took different sets of rules even for the first and second halves of the game and in the early t- <laughs> days as well they turned up with different numbers of players so teams were between <laughs> nine and 18 players basically um, <laughs> uh, john earlier you mentioned the massive cricket bat that someone used this is officially known as the monster bat incident of <laughs> 1771
0: um, so it was just one guy came up with a massive bat and covered yeah. the whole wicket. Yeah,
3: basically. That's ingenious. Yeah, but they so, suddenly produced some eight-foot stumps that, uh, <laughs> that they nailed in behind him. So. Um, and
0: a huge like Indiana Jones ball yeah. <laughs> coming down. Stone made of stone. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, time for our final fact of the show, and that is you, Mr. John Lloyd.
3: Okay, my fact is that FIFA, the Fédération Internationale de Football Association, has more members than the UN. Right. Which I think is uh, surprising and counterintuitive. Quite a lot more members, actually. It's got 17 more members than the, the UN. Uh, Most of these uh, members are tiny little colonies like um, American Samoa, Anguilla, Aruba, Bermuda, British Virgin Islands, Cayman Islands, Cook Islands, Curaçao, Faroe Islands, Guam, Hong Kong is a member of FIFA, Macau, Montserrat, New Caledonia, Palestine is a member of FIFA, but Ah. not of the UN, and of course, Scotland, Northern Ireland, England and Wales. And the, the upshot of this is that it is the reason, ultimately, why Britain doesn't have a football team in the Olympics. Probably the only national side, as far as I know, the, the only country in the world that never enters. The last three Olympics a British football team was in, sixty four, sixty eight, and 1972, they didn't even qualify. They didn't even get in. Three years before that, they are knocked out in the first round. So this thing of Britain not being very good at football is actually really old. It goes right back to <laughs> the right 1920s. And um, in 2012, the host country doesn't have to qualify. So you just have a team by right. Yeah. Mm. So initially, the Scots, the Northern Irish, and the Welsh all refused to take part as official FAs. I don't know if that would change later. Yeah, I, think change. I think it did change. I think
0: we did get a team in the end and yeah. fail miserably like we do in every tournament. And it um, was
2: controversial, and they're not going to do it again, I think. Yeah.
1: So the UK isn't a part of FIFA? Yeah. not?
3: Wow.
0: Mm.
1: The Very good
0: hard. thing about um, not being part of FIFA is that you're not Bound by their rules So there's a story You know how Luis Suarez Has been banned From all football For biting yes. um, Some guy um, Well there's a story That he might be able To go and train In Kosovo Because they're not Members of FIFA Really Which was A nice little loophole For him
1: Yeah I like as well That there's a there's One of the teams That isn't a part of FIFA Is um, Palau Palau oh, yeah. Palau Yeah um, whereas most of the other t- teams have a sort of quite legit reason, like the UK, for not joining, their one is actually just a slight admin error. Um, they've been inactive <laughs> since 1998. Uh, because their membership expired, um, <laughs> but they've confirmed an intention to apply for membership again, <laughs> so they are going to join eventually. Yeah. Well, they so have.
2: they just failed to fill in the forms. Yeah. Basically. So it, well, did,
1: who who was in charge of filling the forms?
2: <laughs> it was 28 pages. Yeah. Come on. Uh, so the Netherlands are now through to the semi-finals in the World Cup, and they well
1: they might be through
0: to the finals by the time they this might goes be through out.
2: to the finals. Um, they only booked their hotel in Brazil up till the seventh of July, and FIFA have organised for all of its sponsors and visiting dignitaries that were going to come just for the semi-finals and finals to move in so they've had to kick out the Dutch team so that's today that when we're recording this podcast they've just been kicked out so I'm not sure where they're going to stay well they could probably have the English camp there you go
3: (laughs) (laughs) I think that struck me forcibly looking at the Olympic history is that on average today one football match in four anywhere in the world is a draw If you look at the early scores, in the uh, 1908 Olympics, um, which was won uh, by Britain, 2-0 against Denmark in the final, and the Danish team included pure mathematician Harald Bohr, who's brother brother of the physicist Niels Bohr, who's, as you know, and you probably know, an accomplished goalkeeper himself. And Harald Bohr scored twice in Denmark's opening game. And in the quarterfinals, Britain beat Sweden 12-1, and (laughs) Denmark beat France B-team 9-1, In the semis, Denmark beat France 17-1.
0: I think in the first World Cup, both semi-finals were like 7-1 or 8-1 or something like that. Uh, But just going back to Niels Bohr, um, being a goalkeeper, he's once said that he um, let in an outrageously long shot due to being distracted by a mathematical problem. (laughs) (laughs)
3: there's another nice thing in the 1920 olympics in antwerp in the final between belgium and czechoslovakia for the only time in football history the competition couldn't be completed because the czechs walked off the pitch complaining of bias by the officials who are all english for sending one of their players off and intimidation by belgian soldiers in the in the crowd so that they (laughs) they just walked off and that was the end of it
2: um, you mentioned the FA. They were responsible for banning women's football for 50 years, which isn't really? unusual and was banned in a lot of countries. But um, the women's football around yeah. uh, just post the First World War and up until 1921 when it was banned was more popular than men's football. And women's matches would draw bigger crowds. The biggest ladies team was a ladies team from Preston called Dick Curz. Um, but their match was played in 1920 at Goodison Park in Liverpool and it drew a crowd of 53,000 people with an un- another 10 to 15,000 reportedly turned away. Wow. Um, and the justification for the FA banning women from playing on any FA approved grounds, which was effectively the same, was that women were too frail to play football and they'd be too easily injured and um, it was basically seemed to be that it was drawing attention and crowds away from men's football. It was what-
0: always the most popular in America for- For the last 20 years, women's football has been much more popular than men's football. Has it? Especially in schools.
1: I have a match, a a ladies' match from May 1881. um, And it was an England versus Scotland match. Mm -hmm. Played in Scotland. And this is the review of it from Bell's Life newspaper. So, it has come at last. What next? The event that has had the paper so agitated was a woman's football match. Several years ago, there was a rage for silly displays of certain kinds of athletics by women, but we thought the time had passed. To give the arrangement any semblance of an international event, the girls had the cheek to designate the farce England versus Scotland. (laughs) So not a good review for the opening.
2: <laughs> not a lot of sports mentioned in there. Not, no. not great analysis of the football played. Uh, no.
1: Oscar Wilde
0: said, "Football is all very well as a game for rough girls, but it is hardly suitable for delicate boys."
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I read. I read about the uh, the female, uh, the North Korean female uh, football team. Oh, yeah. which has a fantastic history. And and it's another thing. I love that North Korea is a part of FIFA. Well, they were in, we're in the last World Cup. Yeah, yeah, they're in the last World I, Cup I
3: think it is a, in that way a force for good Is that yeah. for, for a moment, uh, as it were n- Violent nationalities forgotten In favour of friendly competition Exactly,
1: I mean there, were, there was conditions Apparently in North Korea Whereby you could only watch a match If they'd already watched it And saw that North Korea had won so Which meant they didn't watch any matches whatsoever I don't know if I've World said Cup. this
0: before I might have done In the last World Cup They'd played, I think, Brazil in the first game And they'd lost like 3-2 or 4-2 But it'd been a really good game and everyone thought, wow, this North Korea team is actually quite good. They've got a good chance. And so they didn't show the first game in North Korea, but they showed the highlights afterwards. And they thought, well, actually, we're doing pretty well, so we will show the next game live. And they played Portugal, and they lost 7-1 <laughs> or 7-0 or something like that. They got absolutely battered.
1: They they um, also, in 2011, in the World, World Cup in Germany, um, North Korea lost 2-0 to America. And their coach said that the team played such a bad way on that match because uh, a few days ago five of their players were struck by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> very that was unfortunate for them. And also the coach claimed that he was being coached um, by Kim Jong-il via uh, an invisible mobile phone that the dear leader had invented himself. So he was getting coaching tips from that. Um, the team then eventually got busted for having steroids um, for using steroids, uh, the reason they were using the steroids supposedly was to help them recover from the lightning strike. <laughs> the <day> before. <laughs> but they also, this is really nice, um, in 1999 at the Women's World Cup, which was held in America, the North Korean players arrived. But FIFA got really concerned about one of the players' dental care, because it just they hadn't had proper dental care. Their teeth were looking really bad. So they gave her free treatment. It was paid by FIFA, free treatment. Um, and then all the other players on the team faked sort of phantom teeth illnesses so they could all get their teeth done as well so they didn't win any matches but they all went back to North Korea with fantastic teeth
0: they really were nice. like why are they smiling so much they've lost all the games yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, Does anyone have anything to throw in before we go to Andy? I I do, actually.
3: I want to tell you this fantastic story about uh, the island of Grenada against Barbados in the Shell Caribbean Cup of 1994. Do you know this story? No, no. It sounds great. It's one of the weirdest football matches you've ever heard of. So it was the last of the group stage, okay? So Barbados had to beat Grenada by two goals to go through to the next round on goal difference. And if they failed, then Grenada would go through. So at that time, the organizers had introduced a new rule for golden goals. Okay. And they said a golden goal, if it's scored, will count for two goals because a golden goal, by definition, ends the match. It's not fair on people who win matches by golden goals. So a golden goal counted for two, okay? So Barbados took an early 2-0 lead, and they were doing really well. They held that all the way through the first half. They were playing great in the second half. It looked like they were going to coast through that 2-0 lead into the knockout stages when Grenada suddenly scored and made it 2-1. And it was seven minutes from the end of the match. So the Barbagians, the Barbagians said, right, the chance of scoring a third goal in seven minutes are very small. So they turned round and shot into their own goal, making it a draw, which meant, as th- it was a draw, oh. that, the ma- when the match was over, it would have to go to extra time. Yeah. And they had a chance of a 2-0 lead with the new golden goal yeah. rule. Right? Right. That's brilliant. Yeah. So then yeah, yeah. they turned round, scored old goal, so it's 2-2 all. And it's three minutes to go. So Grenada now has to be really intelligent. And they think, right, <laughs> it doesn't matter which end we score at, as long as it's not a draw. Yeah it will be only a one goal difference and we'll go through. So first of all, they rush up to the Barbasian and they're no, wait a minute, let's go the other way. (laughs) (laughs) They go back back to their own goal. Meanwhile, the Bajan team realise, we've got to defend the Grenadian goal. (laughs) So the whole team go round and like a penalty wall, block the Grenadian goal, which they successfully do. Full time is... Called at uh, at two all, and they go to extra time, and Barbados wins a golden goal in five minutes. Oh, oh
1: wow! wow. Oh, brilliant. A great great story. That sounds, sounds brilliant. brilliant.
3: Um, okay,
4: Andy, any uh, final facts that are in here? Uh, well, you got everything just about correct there. I think I couldn't find any mistakes. Uh, there's a cup rather nicely called the Elf Cup. Oh. Yeah, which um, which took place in 2006 between Crimea, Greenland, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Tibet, Northern Cyprus, and Zanzibar.
0: I bet so. no, the Cyprus won that, because they're like a really
4: good team, aren't they? They hosted it, and they won it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of the early women's football teams was called the Honeyballers, which is just rather nice. And the team captain was a lady called Mary Hudson, but she played under a pseudonym because oh. of the ban. Um, and the FA have since apologised for the ban.
2: I do know that, amusingly, in Germany, when they allowed women to play football, then they, would only, they were only allowed to play it in warm weather. LAUGHTER <laughs>
1: Okay, that's it that's the end of our podcast that's all of our facts uh, thanks for listening if you want to get in contact with any of us about the stuff that we've said on today's show you can get us all on our twitter handles I'm on at Shriverland James at Eggshaped Andy at Andrew Hunter M Anna
2: uh, you can get me on podcast at qi.com email me there
1: and john john you don't have a twitter
3: no i i'm taken over at Wikipedia. yeah
1: well you can reach them on 0779 um, <laughs> um if you want to find out any more about the things that we've been talking about on this week's episode you can head over to qi.com slash podcast where we're going to have videos we're going to have links and you can also find all of our previous episodes for this series including our international factball series which was a football podcast which made no mention of football whatsoever um that's it for us this week we're going to be back again next week and tune in again thanks so much goodbye